I wouldn't say that I'm angry, just that I'm disappointed. No, that's that's totally fair. Uh, I I think the anger has mostly, well, yeah, mostly subsided. <laughs> it subsided as now that now the Michigan State's at least doing something about it. Yeah, um, we're we're not we're not angry. We're actually laughing about the situation at this point. Uh, don't don't put on the internet that that the bucket problem was mad about any of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are we are up to eight suspensions. So, uh, it's uh, it's a little uh. It's a, it's definitely better than it was before. Um, yeah, I mean, what when you suspend eight players, including several starters, like including Winman, um, that at least suggests that your athletic department and your program realize that you ended your season in effect with that that incident, and that is appropriate. Like they should lose in in essence lose their season over this, which was already spiraling, and they will. And, um, you know, that's that's the beginning of of the consequences that should happen for sure. Yeah, there's I have not really caught up on everything. Um, I have basically kind of been like either working or just simply not working or traveling or just simply not like seeing anything. So I did not realize we were up to eight. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's been great. Like I have not I have not participated in the discourse more more than forming my own opinion. Yeah, we are now up to, let's see, uh, i got to pull up a whole article here to read off all the names. Um, so the first four for, were Tank Brown, Angelo Gross, Zion Young, and Kerry Crump. And now we've added Jacoby Winman, Brandon Wright, Justin White, and Malcolm Jones. Um, That's so many people. Yeah, and they're all on defense. <laughs> oh. And uh, oh. let's see. um it's two linebackers, a defensive end, a safety, and three cornerbacks, notably a position that Michigan State could really afford to take hits at. Yeah, I was going to have a lot of defensive uh, back depth on that team. Um, I I wanted to get one point in, by the way, before we get into formal big moods, which is that uh, you oh shared that audio. Sorry, we have a lot of points, I know, but like, <laughs> you that audio. I don't even know who it was. One of the legions of Michigan State media people that you will address in a second um saying that like we've become soft and there's like softness around this. that was either the- couch or the rube i refuse to, d- to distinguish between their voices i, I think it was had to be the rube did, like the tonally did not sound <laughs> yeah because then the second person who is probably graham couch comes in and says something about how they're like um you know all these sorts of contradictions and the reactions, which was a very like Graham Couchy thing to say. So that's yeah. Graham Couch school marm that I know and love right there. Um, yeah. But like God, the, the first I forgot, one, I forgot to try to get behind the paywall and see what he wrote about this. I didn't do that in time. I'm not so. doing like a Lansing newspaper paywall. Like <laughs> yeah, business that's expense. Not, that's not happening. Oh no, I meant like using that like 12.io site or whatever. I'm not fucking right. paying for that. <laughs> the bucket problem. You don't support local field. journalism. We Ace? support le- local journalism but not that specific <laughs> local journalism. We do not believe in subverting paywalls except in this one case when it's yes. the Michigan State Media. Yes, um, please don't do that to me. But my, yeah, please please continue to subscribe to us. Uh, please don't please don't avoid the paywall with us. Everyone else, though, your enemies, go. Yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and all I wanted to say briefly was you're saying this is about softness. I, I'll make a deal with anyone who wants to say that. You're allowed to say that after you let nine Michigan scholarship football players kick you with cleats while you're on the ground. If you will let them do that, then you or can just, say or just about- one Michigan player gets to <laughs> get one good shot in with a helmet. 
with yeah, a full-blown like, <laughs> helmet. <laughs> right. We'll be gracious. We won't say that you have to get kicked by like nine got nine, you know, incredibly scary athletes when you're on the ground with cleats. We'll just let one we'll let the we'll let the punter, we'll let Jake Moody hit you with a helmet once. <laughs> and then you can say that that it's about softness. Yeah. Yeah. So uh challenge to the rube. Take one shot with the helmet, bro. <laughs> um, you can pick your Michigan player. It can be it can be Robinson. It can be Moody. It can be the long snapper. But he yeah, gets it could, to really it could be like up. a fifth string walk on. You know, like just just go for it, man. But yeah, but you got to take one one clean shot. And given what happened to Javon Green, uh, to the face, straight to the face. <laughs> um, that's that. Those are the terms. And the and then you can talk about how. Uh, Society has gone soft, and uh, we are all reacting to this like it it might be something criminal, which, uh, um, as it turns out, uh, uh, there might be charges filed. Uh, that's uh, um, which, uh, shit. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess we should mention that this is uh, the bucket problem. Welcome. It's episode 65. We're very tired. Um, uh, we are presented, as always, by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. We're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and we are a meet and midfield production. Final score of the Michigan-Michigan State game that preceded all of the shit we are talking about. 29-7 uh, to 7 Michigan. Total yardage, 443-252. to 252, Also in favor of Michigan, uh, and yes, we are up to eight Michigan State players suspended for um, the postgame incident, uh, which um, I have seen people refer to as everything from a, uh, a fracas to a scuffle to a brawl to a fight. And none of those things are what it was. That was that was two jumpings um, there. There's there's a term for this. And uh, um, fights need to be mutual uh, generally. And, and generally, they're not uh, something in the in the area of ten on two, um, with the two being uh, isolated from each other. Uh, good stuff, real good stuff um, from people covering this. Um, before we do our big moods, uh, I have a little thing that I'm going to say uh, regarding our views on the, of the role of law enforcement in this uh, whole thing, because uh, we wanted to get this out of the way. We wanted to say how we feel, um, especially now that. Uh, Jamon Green has retained um, a, a rather notable lawyer, Tom Mars. I'm not really going to get into that other than to say that I, I find Tom Mars rather off-putting. Uh, and uh, yeah, so just going to get this out of the way. Uh, we don't believe there's any positive outcome for getting the police and legal system involved. Uh, the only thing putting these Michigan State players in jail would accomplish is making some other people feel like they did something uh, positive uh, to I don't know, uh, punish these people. Uh, our justice system isn't really about making things better. It's about punishment for the sake of punishment. Um, at the same time, we also don't believe it's out of line for Jamon Green to pursue charges. Uh, we don't expect individual actors, let alone college students, to have to consider the larger societal ramifications of the legal system after being violently attacked. And uh, with the way Jim Harbaugh put it in his press conference, uh, um, traumatized, which, yeah, when you when you get attacked like that in a place you feel is safe, that, yes, is quite understandable. Um, the system itself is terrible, and we wish more people not directly involved with the incident would recognize that and 
discuss this incident in those terms. Um, but there are serious enough punishments on the table from uh, removal of the football program to potential dismissal from Michigan State, uh, the, you know, the university in general, and also the potential long-term fallout, fallout of having this come up in any situation requiring a basic background check, like, say, applying for any job. Um, those are all punishments that do not involve containing human beings in a cell um, and taking away some pretty basic human rights. So, yeah, um, that we just wanted to get that out of the way before our big boots, um, because we are going to talk about this uh, pretty intensely, I think. Um, and uh, I think we want to make it clear where we stand on that so we don't have to uh, throw up a caveat every time we mentioned that this was uh, something bordering on assault, um, because it's it's a term to use for this but we do, it it also uh we want to be able to use that term without uh advocating for uh imprisonment of any sort um all right that out of the way connor what is your big move this week yeah so i opened this pod by saying i'm not so much mad as disappointed i i was actually planning to do a really insulting uh long speech sort of targeted at michigan state's program and their fan base and yeah, I mean, you know, really, I, I decided to take the higher ground here and uh, give some heartfelt, sincere advice to Michigan State football and the athletic department and the institution as a whole. And you're not going to want to hear it, but that's how you know it's really good advice. So here's the thing you have to understand. Little brother was never actually an insult. It was always an accurate statement about your standing in college football. And it was wise advice. Michigan State, you should be aware that you are a guest at a party being thrown by the Blue Blood programs. In the Big Ten, that means Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and soon USC. I suggest that you learn to act like a gracious, charming guest rather than throwing tantrums that cross boundaries and are going to make people not want to invite you at all. This is especially important because college football is moving towards a bigger reorganization where there will be clearer tiers and you are in the category of teams that will want to be making sure you get invited to the party with the Blue Bloods. And I would really, really hate if college football took on a different shape over the next decade and our dear little brother got left at the kids table. Point in. Although I don't think they're going to get left behind, but you know, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, a, a, a hearty grow up to pretty much everybody involved in this on the Michigan State side. Uh, uh, it seems appropriate. Uh, I mean, I, I would say this, like, actually, you know, they're they're higher in revenue for athletic departments than you might think. They're not in the top 10. So Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State are all in the top 10. And Ohio State is third. Michigan's fourth for this is overall revenue for athletic departments. That's like true blue blood status, right? Michigan State's actually 18th. And I assume that's bolstered part by basketball. But I, I do have a serious point here, which is like Ace is right. They are still a significant program in college football. But I do think like, you know, why is the Big Ten like conferences never actually crack down on anything? I think the Big Ten has probably quietly and behind the scenes taken a pretty hard line on this, which is reflected in the, the suspensions and the seriousness with which Michigan State is taking it. And that's because Michigan is not alone in looking at this and being like, I don't want to deal with this program if they're going to act like that when they lose at our venue. Right. Like it's not it is not acceptable. Uh, it's not acceptable at an institutional level. 
It's not something if you, you want this team coming into your house, like this is not a team that you, you know, have to put up with forever if you don't want to. So I actually think there's something serious to be said here. Um, aside from obviously I'm mocking to an extent, but it's also like, get your shit in order, you guys. Yeah. I mean, there is clearly some like, you know, program changes that need to happen or at least like a, somewhat of a shift in just like how this program carries itself. Uh, and by this program, I mean, Michigan state, um, with my boot, big boot, I wanted to address a specific part of this, um, which is, uh, as, uh, I think Connor mentioned, I think it was the cold open at this point, my brain retains information for about like 14 seconds and then it's gone. It's, it's just gone. Uh, until I like revisit it and put it in writing, it's it's really awesome. Um, uh, yeah, there there's there's so much has happened in the past week. Uh, but uh, as somebody who uh, you know considers themselves a a uh, partisan uh, media figure <laughs> when it comes to sports coverage, um, I want to say that on both the uh, partisan and nonpartisan sides. Uh, Michigan State really might have the worst beat coverage in college football. Um, we have already alluded to uh, Graham Couch and uh, his uh, podcast co-host who, uh, I mean, props. Uh, Couch and the Rube is a really, really strong, uh, you know, uh, crazy Ira and the douche uh, format uh, <laughs> sports talk radio name. I Like, it's 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 depressingly good. Um, but, um, they have leaned into it extremely, extremely hard. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Graham couch is always Graham couch. Uh, it is not shocking that, uh, he and his podcast co-host have terrible takes on this. Like the fight was amazing. Uh, uh, that's, uh, pretty much a verbatim quote, um, from one of them. Not uh, so amazing now that you've lost eight players and your season is over, is it? Also, I, uh, I, I mean, resist. yeah, and also, I, I think they said it before it came out that Jamon Green had a concussion in addition to other injuries, uh, which have been undisclosed. But I think a broken nose is among them. Um, yeah, uh, um, it's yeah, it's disgusting. And you know, Mike Valenti is doing his shock jock thing, but also using um, the Robert Anderson case, uh, you know, not for anything actually productive but to score rivalry points while also bringing the like you really got he also mentioned north korea like he went in a lot of directions in about 45 seconds and none of them were good Uh, i I think what's disappointing Uh, i'm sorry parody in an article that i went line by line through uh blaming this on jim harbaugh um there's just uh yeah there's there's a lot of just really unfortunate stuff here from um from people who are like, like, I think there's a line here in terms of a lot of people are amplifying things that are being said by just like random Michigan state fans on Twitter. Um, or like people with a podcast that like 25 people listen to, I'm self-aware. I know more people listen to this than that. Um, and, uh, that's unproductive. Like there are always going to be a segment of fans. Um, and we can debate about the size of the segment, uh, that, take things to the extreme and will always defend their program. But when you've got credentialed members of the media, uh, feeding that, uh, feeding the very, very worst of the fan base, uh, that, uh, crosses a level of irresponsibility where I think, I mean, 
Honestly, I think Michigan State should probably review like whether these guys should be credentialed. But considering Jim Comperoni has been there since the mid '90s, and once talked about, uh, posted on the Rivals message board about how um, players should have taken Devin Gardner out at the knees when he was being used as a lead blocker to set an example. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I have no confidence that anything is going to change on that end from any of those guys. But uh, I think it is worth noting that. Uh, none of them basically are worth listening to because even the supposed best on the beat in this case uh, were calling this things like a fracas and a scuffle. And uh, um, yeah, uh, I think most of the actual productive coverage of this has come from either national reporters or just video being put out. That is very hard to dispute uh, unless you watch it through some extremely green tinted glasses, which uh, we've, we've been getting a lot of this week. Um, Yeah. I I think the thing that sticks out to me is that this is not a case where Michigan partisans have had to use hyperbolic uh, embellishing language because the videos show what they show. And there were other videos that apparently were captured on, you know, network cameras that we did not get to see on Twitter from my, what I understand, but looked even worse that's the word. One of them was around. released on Twitter and it was. Oh, OK, <laughs> yeah. And the video that's why Whitman is suspended is... now, in case there's any doubt about that is because that video was released. I mean, I know yeah, they were and viewing it also, but this uh, is truly a case where there's nothing to argue about. Um, if you want to be mad at someone as a Michigan State fan, you should be mad at your own players, both the ones who jumped people, which is the ones you should be maddest at the ones who didn't pull their teammates off those people. You should also be mad at them. That's a failure of leadership. You should be mad at the coaches and the entire staff for not intervening. That's who's at fault here. Pure and simple. Yeah, I mean, it was it was very, very stark in the in the video that was released uh, from the ESPN or ABC cameras. Um, like you you can see you can actually very visibly see Jamon Green or German Green. Sorry, not Jamon Green, German Green, his twin brother is uh, quite incidentally the first Michigan player to come up the tunnel after Jamon and uh, McBurrows. And this is after everything has happened. And it is very clear that Michigan's players, as they walk in, have no clue what has just taken place uh, because they're filing in uh, relatively calmly. Like the most that's happening is a little bit of trash talk, which again, uh, this is a rivalry game. That is what happens if you find that offensive, grow the fuck up. so German Green is the first person player back in the tunnel, and you can see right as he's about to get in the lock in the locker room, uh, some staffer appears to lean over and say something to him, and he whips around and tries to run back into the tunnel, and immediately like multiple Michigan players and a staffer grab him and don't let him make go any further, and I do not at all blame German Green for having that reaction to hearing that his brother just got jumped uh, by a bunch of Michigan State players because they can't handle losing. Uh, but the uh, contrast in reactions between Michigan State players watching uh, a helmet being swung at a player and among other things and uh, Michigan players seeing one of those guys brothers try to get in and uh, you know gain whatever measure of revenge he could which uh, I would do the same if my brother got hit with a helmet in that situation Um it was it was it was a very very stark and noticeable contrast. Yeah, 
I, I feel like I need to cut myself off because I could start ranting about this and there's other stuff that I want to rant about that's come across the news ticker. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, Taylor, I, I think you've got like three different moods that have all like been mashed together at this point. And uh, I, I'll let you roll with all of them. Sure. Uh, sure. I don't know where to start. Well, first, to put like a bow on on my opinions on the ensuing discourse, um, just don't. It, it it's not productive for you as as a fan. I'm talking to you in like the royal sense. Um, to have a conversation about it on Twitter, you're not gonna have a good time. Don't do it. Stop doing it. I know you're trying. I know you 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 want to try to participate in the discourse. It's not worth it. It's really not worth it. Um, oh boy, it's not. <laughs> I mean it so respectfully. I mean this what for she's... your for your health and mine. Um, do not ask me about it because I will not respond to you. Um, do not engage for yourself. It's a really good idea in this case to just there there's no need to to participate in this discourse it's it's really it's gone off the rails it's gone way 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 off the rails um do not at seltzer mom on twitter is what i'm getting out of this <laughs> generally generally don't do that i don't know anything taylor's but... gonna borrow my duck blind after you said her fucking twitter <laughs> handle <after that. laughs> everyone knows where i am unfortunately you can find me Ugh. just don't ask me about that ask me about other things yeah. just don't ask me about this um if I have to yeah. explain the fucking engineering of Michigan Stadium Tunnel one more time. Yeah, if I, I need to... Yeah, the, the most Michigan thing you could possibly do right now is talk about the engineering and architecture of Michigan Stadium. Like, that is, that is like, the worst thing that could happen right now. And then, you know, if you want to talk about... Um, defeat with dignity or lack thereof like please like just don't have that conversation in my mentions i'm asking for my sake for your sake for everyone um because my sentiments gen generally echo uh connors and aces and we, I feel we don't want to mute and block people <laughs> we oh, i don't i really don't i do that enough i do that enough just like don't don't do that let's have a nice time um but yeah like my opinions are pretty clear on it and if if they haven't been um they echo what's been said here and uh and writing and uh yeah it's just a real shit situation and it's well put and obviously it's still unfolding so it's not necessarily like that discourse largely can end but just don't have it in my mentions um then i had a big mood that uh michigan hockey is the number one ranked program in the country right now um and there is no amount of suffering that could take that away from me um but you just can't ask me why there's an interim coach <laughs> um yeah, don't ask me other questions about the Michigan hockey program. Just know right now they are number one. Don't ask about the creepy man of the stands taking selfies. <laughs> yeah, don't ask about the guy in like the toupee that keeps saying he used to coach at Michigan and telling everyone around that he coached Michigan and making all the staff uncomfortable because they can't technically kick him out. Um, anyway, um, and then then I uh while I was looking at the show notes, popped open Twitter because apparently, allegedly allegedly the college football playoffs first round of rankings is happening at the time of our podcast i, wa um, I want to stop you right here just to say <laughs> we plan to have a segment of on this at the end of the we podcast did. we uh, really did. I didn't uh we didn't realize that the the rankings were going to drop so early on in the show because you know how these things go uh but uh, <laughs> uh yeah no they they dropped uh, a lot earlier than i than expected and if you heard any laughing in the background while we were discussing some pretty serious things earlier it is because i was looking at the rankings being being put out one by I, one on twitter while this is going I, on. I just 
Speaking of things dropping, should we like, explain the what those rankings playoff are? Committee dropped acid before making these rankings. Okay, I uh, beside I, myself, I am going to start backwards from ten because ten is incredible. Uh, yeah, but there is go. a full twenty-five here, um, and they are they are a twenty-five. Oh man, <laughs> ten Louisiana State University. Uh, what? <laughs> what? Wait, I didn't see that. What? Yeah, no LSU. No, scroll down to the the bottom of the show. I'm notes. seeing it. Uh, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, no, no, we uh, LSU. LSU is tenth. Um, Why? For what? Uh, god knows. <laughs> what do they Only do? God knows. Um, uh, wow. Ninth USC. Sure, I guess. Yeah. Uh, eighth Oregon. Uh, again, yeah. uh, that's that's Fine. a little too close to Bo Nix being around a playoff for my liking, but you know, <laughs> it's it's early yet. Seven TCU again. I mean, we are now in the uh, at, at least you've played well this season, except with one somewhat notable exception. Um, number six, Alabama. Um, get ready for things to take a real sideways turn right about here. Uh huh. Number five, Michigan. Uh, I, I, uh, just I no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I will uh, say Michigan at five, based on like, because we're going to do our little game review, we're going to do all that cute stuff. Michigan at five is okay to me until you tell me who number four is. Ace, go ahead. Yes, I, I would have accepted, uh, you know, TCU and maybe even Alabama. I wouldn't have really accepted Alabama, but TCU, I could have at least gone like, that's a, that's an interesting curveball. Fucking Clemson is number four, dude. I I am going to uh, redacted parody is all I can really say. But like that Clemson sucks, dude. Like they Clemson's Clemson so had to they had to bench their starting quarterback recently. That was their last game, I believe, because they had a bye week. They are terrible. Michigan would beat them by fifteen points. Yes, they they had to bench their quarterback because otherwise they were going to lose to Syracuse, who they ended up beating by six. Um. They have also mm. beaten Florida State by six. Uh, mm. Let's see. Uh, they also beat Wake Forest by six in overtime. Uh, their offense, their offense, like Penn State, it's like Penn State level offense. Their defense is pretty good. Their offense is just, ah, uh, I'm so mad about this. Uh, yeah. So that 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 deeply upsetting pick. Uh, the next two, totally standard, non surprising. Number three, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Tennessee is number one. <laughs> Oh my god! Which, like, I oh don't even god. hate the pick necessarily, but it's exceptionally funny. That's like, so brave. There's no way around that. It's no. really funny. Um, I mean, I'm happy for all the people that are singing Rocky Top right now because, like, they haven't had to ha- get, they haven't gotten to have a good time in a while, and like that part of this is fun. Uh, they but, did beat like, Bama. Like, uh, I mean, you got They have like the most notable win in college football this year. Uh, you got, and they could get them. another. Um, like Saturday. Oh God, is that Saturday? It's absolutely Saturday. There. So I have not I looked at Saturday's out... schedule because of like the. I I get so angry every time I see Michigan and Rutgers scheduled at seven thirty. I've only looked at the Big Ten slate, and uh, my eyes fell out of my head. And the yeah. eye sockets burst into flames. So uh, that's why uh, I have not looked at the rest of the schedule. So I actually have to tell you, unfortunately, uh, our our colleague Dan, who who is not here, uh, and you'll hear his opinions on everything on the premium show. <laughs> um, so he actually had like a 
he actually had a really reasonable take, and I'm actually kind of upset what? that he's the most that's, reasonable of that's us. That's not our boy, Dan. Do you want me to read it to you? Yes, because I, I need to hear this reasonable take from, from Thick Stauskas. Dan, at Thick Stauskas, somehow the most level-headed of all of us. It's fine. They're just going to bump Michigan over the loser of UT, UGA next week. They're making a statement about non-con scheduling. And honestly, good for them. It will not matter at the end of the season. Okay, so okay, so that's <laughs> remarkably reasonable. I am. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think like, but, Clem, but but I think the important thing we need to take into account here is that Clemson is butt. Yeah, yeah Clemson is absolute booty. Clemson, Clemson is so not, bad. I, I'm not sure that Clemson is one of the 20 best teams in the country. Like their defensive line is really <laughs> well, good. Like they, you well, say that, but when you look at this list down to 20, Illinois is 16th. And I think yeah, that's well, low. Illinois is good, though. That's the <laughs> They're thing, one spot right? below like, Penn State. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I just want to say my piece <laughs> here, which is like the one thing Clemson has, having watched them a couple times this year, their defensive line, as it was in days of yore, is really, really good. And like if Michigan played Clemson, that's the one thing I'd worry about. They have nothing on offense that scares me, like truly nothing. Will Shipley and is pretty good, but that receiving core yeah. is not something that is striking Like. Certainly compared to past Clemson receiving cores, which just like pull up an NFL roster, you'll find one. Um, like, yeah, uh, it's 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 not it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, Shipley's good. I don't think he'd be he wouldn't be one of the best three or four running backs in the Big Ten, for instance. We've got like Corum, Ibrahim, Brown, you know, like I so I I, I just what Matt, what Matt what's, what what makes me frustrated here is just like the obvious sort of good old boy southern bias stuff like thinking of past clemson teams not the current clemson team i don't like all that stuff i will say dan is 100 percent right in that <laughs> a zero or one loss big 10 champion be it michigan or ohio state or illinois still in play um Duh. you will get an automatic cfp bid so yes. you don't have to worry that much and honestly uh based on how i've seen this gamed out um the loser of michigan and ohio state still has a a, a relatively distinct chance of getting in depending on what else shakes out around them. I would be a little bit worried about Michigan, given the uh, the aforementioned non-conference schedule of three of the very worst teams in the country. Uh, but uh, it, it might be tough to, to, to pick four deserving playoff teams this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is we, just... Oof. I mean, Tennessee and, and Clemson are in the in the top four right now, as, as we speak, um, at, at this I very moment. Yes. Okay, all right. I mean, um, I mean, Tennessee might be really good, but man, they are they're not they're number still two. Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, no, it's Tennessee. Uh, so honestly, if I were to do this, unfortunately, I would have to put I think Ohio State might be the best team in the country. I- I'm just going to say that I hate saying it, but unfortunately, I think they are. Um, Georgia, I would put second. Tennessee, I would have put third. Michigan, I would have put fourth. Uh, this whole Clemson thing is just perplexing to me because. Again, it's also to your not point. like they've played a particularly amazing schedule. No, like, they unless haven't. Unless you are like, like if you want to count like rankings at the time, <laughs> yeah. yeah, then you might be able to make an argument. Uh, yeah. Because at that point, Wake Forest was ranked when they beat them in overtime, and NC State was twenty first when they beat them, and NC State has since uh, not looked awesome. Although they're still kind of in the exact same spot rankings wise, but they're uh, still ranked. They're, <laughs> they're 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 rolling out a true freshman or like a. Like, I don't know who they're going to find, like, on the street to play quarterback for And them? they're 22nd in the college football rankings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Clemson Clemson almost lost to a Florida State team that is really bad. Wait, that's and is right. actually 
They're yeah. actually way lower on the talent composite. Than that that was straight up two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. <What>? Like they're, <laughs> that feels so wild. I, I just, Clemson's just not good. Like anyone who's actually watched Clemson, you know that they're not good. And, and hey, this is this is college football. You coast on reputation sometimes. I think, here's my take, actually. I think that the committee was like, well, you know, we're going to dodge the Southern bias charges by putting Bama six. That'll show uh, I don't haters. know if they even took that into account. <laughs> I think they were just making a point about non-conference schedules, like Dan saying. But uh, I do want to note, um, uh, Florida State, 460 yards, Clemson, 370. Um, just, uh, just clicking around. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, and Florida State actually has way less talent than you would think, given their geography. So that's pretty that's pretty damning, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And a, I guess, damning uh, things on both sides there. Um, they, they did dominate Syracuse in total yards. So I can't uh, I can't do the same thing with their six point win over the orange. But um, still. <laughs> uh, yeah. LSU at 10, though. I'm looking at that. And I, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Speaking of coaches who are able to coast on a reputation. That is what Brian Kelly is doing. I'm sorry. Like, I understand he's got, there's like some good wins in there, but what? Like 10, 10, like 10, like the number 10, like that, that is saying that LSU is one of the top 10 teams in the country. That's And I just like, have they watched football games? Like has the committee (laughs) watched a football game? Like, no, I'm not even just like, this year, I mean, have they watched a football game? Just any? Okay, I'm, I I pulled up SP Plus because I got curious. Uh, Please, LSU 16th, so you know, not not too wild, uh, but not <laughs> but, top 10. Uh, USC is 18th, uh, which is funny. I I I, I find that funny. Uh, Lincoln Riley, also funny, extremely funny. Texas at number six at SP Plus. Um, <laughs> so. Yes, uh, the, these oh. are these are to be used for projection and not for ranking uh, college football. Although I've now scrolled down, I'm 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 going to do the good faith thing and read off um, the resume SP plus point rankings, which are intended uh, to actually uh, take you know the SP plus thing um, and turn it into an, a resume evalu- evaluation tool instead of uh, a projection system. And that has Ohio State number one, Georgia number two, Tennessee number three. Michigan number four, Alabama fifth, TCU six, and finally we get to Clemson at seventh. <laughs> um, uh, it's fine. It's, I'm surprised it's fine. LSU seven. is fifteenth and USC is eleventh. For anybody curious, and Illinois is tenth. Illinois, mm. take them seriously, playoff committee. Um, well, especially since that one loss. That one loss also. Um, it'd be amazing if, like, I, I mean, not amazing. Well. It would certainly be amazing, incredible, and a whole bunch of other things in the like actual literal definitions of those words. If Illinois missed out on a playoff bid because they had a a totally legitimate touchdown negated against Indiana and lost to them at the very <laughs> beginning of the season, uh, possibly in a year where Indiana pays like thirty five million dollars to get rid of their coach. <laughs> I, I think Illinois is fine, though, because they have that one loss to Indiana, which we all agree on the show is very funny. Indiana football is hilarious. That's the official stance of the bucket problem. But um, <laughs> what it, I think Illinois is fine, though, because like in the event of them winning the big like their only path to the playoff as a 16th ranked team right now is to win out and be a one loss Big Ten champion. And if you do that, like I said, that's an automatic bit. Yes, because like, at that you, point they had beaten Ohio State or Michigan and that negates 
everything that has happened this season prior, basically. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that <laughs> that one thing, one reason Big Ten fans like we can squawk about the disrespect. Um, Michigan State can't talk about that anymore, but the rest of us can. They they lost their disrespect privileges, but uh, we can squawk about it. But we do know that there are two conferences that have an automatic bid for a zero or one loss champion, and it's the Big Ten and the SEC. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, back to quickly circling back to the subject of uh, teams Clemson has beaten by not that much. Uh, Florida State, 33rd in SP+. Um, NC State, 43rd. Man, they have plunged. And Syracuse, 48th. Um, boy. Syracuse, 48th is surprising me. I thought they were a little better than that. Uh, they've been kind of flying by the seat of their pants this season. Yeah. Uh, in contrast, Penn State, 15th at SP+, uh, in case you're wondering if Michigan has a good win this year. Um, Quality yes. win! Yes. Um, and I think Michigan State is actually in the area of some of these. Yeah, Michigan State, uh, 56th, uh, not that far off Syracuse. Uh, about uh, uh, point, 0.8 points in, uh, on a neutral field. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, beating Michigan State, about as good as three of Clemson's closer wins. Okay, Florida State's significantly better. I take that back. Um, and Wake Forest is 34th. So, yeah, um, Clemson has not done anything. Do not believe the media's lies. Uh, the playoff rankings do not matter until they actually matter. Uh, none of this will matter because some of these teams will play each other. And uh, we will all forget about everything we just said um, now, right now. Um, I mean, next week I'll be congratulating the college football playoff committee for recognizing excellence. Um, so, I mean, ideally, uh, yes, hopefully <laughs> in an ideal world, I will be doing that. Um, yeah, no, if Michigan loses to Rutgers, I will log off. I keep saying that every time I'm like, if Michigan loses to X team, I'm going to log off. No, no, no. If they lose to Rutgers, like, we're done. Oh, you know <laughs> how I over. said I'd finish out the season? If Michigan loses to Rutgers, there will be a chop opening. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, all right. Uh, I guess we're going to talk about the Michigan State game now uh, because there was a football game and uh, it was of some import. Uh, was it? I guess. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was they're important. They're okay. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, it was one of those games that just like on long arc, there it really went from like totally fucking miserable to really fun. In in like a weird short period of time that also felt like it took forever because it happened over the course of four consecutive field goals. Because <laughs> um, that's Jake really like, for... that is when the game like the game did not end on a touch like the quorum the the trouble with the snap and the quorum the second quorum touchdown were you know that was icing on the cake the game was over by then, <laughs> uh, which uh, does not say great things about the red zone offense which we will get to but um does say good things about how much Michigan just dominated the run of play in this game. Uh, to wit, uh, J.J. McCarthy was really not asked to do anything. Um, I pulled up his passing chart earlier from this game, and uh, he attempted all of uh, seven throws over 10 yards in the air um, and uh, did fine on them. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Michigan, almost everything was in the uh, zero to 10 yard range because they only threw two passes behind the line of scrimmage. And one of them was the uh, um, forum fly sweep touchdown, which uh, only is the most technical of passes. Um, and that was McCarthy's only touchdown pass. He was 15 for 25 for 167 yards and that sort of touchdown. Um, 
with a long pass of 29 yards. So everything in the uh, dink and dunk range with the exception of a, a real nice post route to Ronnie Bell. Um, but at seven carries for 51 yards on the ground, uh, does not turn the ball over. And in this game, that is absolutely all they were asking him to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is we've reached this sort of philosophical quandary with JJ, which is like, you know, how good can he be? Um, he's gone through two straight games now of not being asked to do a ton and the numbers are not spectacular. And in this one, he had a couple of notable, uh, you know, plays that I found impressive, especially sort of keeping stuff alive under pressure and, and making nice throws and then some bad plays. And I, I am quite optimistic about JJ. I still think he's going to be, you know, a very draftable quarterback in the future. And I'm really excited about next year. Um, I, I do wonder, I mean, looking at, at this year and last year, which are the two best years under Harbaugh, you know, the two best years in Michigan football for 20 years, basically. Um, and the quarterback play in both cases has been pretty capped. There's been a pretty low, low ceiling on what it can be and what it has been. And I, you know, Michigan wants to run the ball. That's, that's not news to anybody. And you may just have to accept that the ceiling is relatively low for quarterbacks under Harbaugh. And that may not be the end of the world, even if uh... we want deep deep shots and fun stuff i agree with you for most games i think obviously jim harbaugh is going to happily like if he can run the ball and not ask his quarterback to do anything that's what he's going to do um and that is that dates back to harbaugh at any school um but we saw you know when michigan feels like they need it they will open like the iowa game plan last year was absolute bombs away uh, because they felt they needed to get all over that defense early. And they were able to execute it. Um, and that was with, you know, Kay McNamara starting. Um, and I think, I mean, we still have not seen a situation where Michigan has had to do anything but rely on their run game and their defense to win a football game. And I don't think they're going to ask a lot of McCarthy until that happens. I still don't think that says anything about his capability of doing it, especially after... Watch. I mean, if you go back and look at, say, Colin Kaepernick's stats with the 49ers, a guy who could do some incredible things, um, including, you know, break NFL quarterback rushing records in playoff games. You will know what I said, playoff games, because that's when they had him do that. Um, his stats were pretty damn pedestrian uh, during the regular season because the 49ers also had a dominant ground game, and that's what Harbaugh wants to use. So uh, I think he knows what he has. And I, I think the way he talks about it and the way we've seen McCarthy play, um, the flashes we've seen there, I mean, that five star is very much in there and we've seen it come out. Um, but they're just not going to ask him to do anything until he has to. And um, the schedule has totally not called for it. Sure. I guess my counter question to that is that is like Colin Kaepernick was a fully like full, for the most part, fully fledged yeah. quarterback at the time. For the most part, I said that's for the not, most part. That's certainly not how he was viewed. I'll put it that like, way. Like, no, I agree. I agree. Like, I'm not saying, like, like definitely not, like, you know, a complete quarterback at the time. I guess my question is, like, for a quarterback who is probably, you know, far behind that because he's still in college, is that good? Is this good for McCarthy's I mean, development the, the, and that potential? The, this is my question. Like, I, I, I mean... I don't think it's that bad in terms of like, I mean, Colin Kaepernick still has it developed in the NFL and did. Right. And right. Also, 95% of your reps come in practice. <laughs> um, and 
McCarthy's, McCarthy's executed fine in games. Uh, I mean, again, they're not asking him to do much, but he's executing. Uh, until they they until we get to a point where they are asking him to do stuff that he clearly can't do, uh, I'm trusting that he's still capable of doing all we think he's capable of doing, and they're just keeping it in the back pocket because we continually see flashes. And also, he's like, I mean, I don't know if he's still leading the country in completion percentage because I don't put that much stock into Ross stats, but uh, I, I just have a hard time worrying about the the quarterback play when, like, the baseline is a better like is basically like what Cade McNamara was doing last year, plus running. <laughs> and yeah, running I, well. I I think it would be it would not make sense to worry about quarterback play when we just smashed two teams that have given us a lot of problems over the last few years. Um, you know, pretty unceremoniously stuffed them both in, both in a trash can. And our one objection is that in that we can't convert well enough in the end zone and get touchdowns rather than field goals. Um. I don't think that J.J. McCarthy is at all, insofar as his offense has problems, I don't think it's on him. I think Taylor's question is one that we'll kind of have to answer next year. I think next year will be the really interesting test case for, like, what is the ceiling of, of a quarterback play at Michigan under Harbaugh? Just don't look because at the non-conference schedule next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, who knows? I'm just, I just What I'm saying here is that, like, J.J. is still young. I think he's still 19, actually. Um, and... He is still developing, and I just think it's that my view of him right now is the talent is very obvious, it's inconclusive, and the offense is getting results, namely battering uh, some Big Ten, you know, historic foes into submission. So, yeah, no, I that that's all fair, and uh, yeah, a big reason that Michigan, uh, you know, kept McCarthy mostly on the Raptors wraps is that Blake Corum had another just uh, exquisite performance. 31 carries, 177 yards, uh, a touchdown run, um, also the quote-unquote touchdown catch. Um, and his 177 yards came with a long of 17. So this was not him breaking a couple big runs. This was just consistently churning out yards. And while uh, we'll get to the offensive line, which I thought had a, a very good game, Corum also made a lot happen after contact. Michigan State um, – I don't think they. I I don't remember a run where they got him down on first contact. Really, at least not cleanly. Uh, he's incredible. He should probably be a Heisman finalist. I, I I'm running out of uh, positive things to say about Blake Corum that I have not already said. And it sounds like we all have. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the cool thing, the thing that I enjoyed about this game was there was a sense that he was toying with that defense. And yeah, they they maybe ankle tackled him or sort of got a nice tackle in when he was about to break one off a couple times and you know he was frustrated by that but like there were so many times where as ace said the after contact stuff where either he either basically just pushed you know multiple defenders forward to go where he wanted to go looking like Hassan haskins or unlike Hassan haskins would like slip it out of it and spin and just straight up break tackles using nimbleness and um he's got one of the best jump cuts i've ever seen straight up oh yeah (laughs) i mean easily easily one of the best i've seen in it yeah no question and he's just a virtuosic player and you get a sense that he he's that rare running back that in in an era that's not favorable to running backs you're watching a running back where it feels like he's dictating the game and controlling the game in a way that we're used to seeing from quarterbacks and um we're very privileged to see it i also i want to i want to mention this because people keep acting like this is a new thing Blake Corum averaged over a half yard more yards after contact per carry than Hassan Haskins last year. And we have a beefed up <laughs> version of that this year. And he uh, is still jump cutting 
and running past guys and doing all of the other stuff that we were really excited about. But that power, that power was always there. Uh, so yeah, uh, um, keep feeding Cora. It's 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 working well. Uh, like I don't I don't think anybody's upset about the workload after a thirty-one carry game here. Uh, Donovan Edwards. Uh, we will leave aside the debate about whether or not he should have been in this contest. Uh, I think I made my thoughts rather clear on that on Twitter. Uh, no was the short answer. Um, 10 carries, 42 yards, three catches on five targets for 38 yards. And uh, a big Lahayim for me when he made his long catch to set up Michigan for first and goal. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, all I got. <laughs> I should not. I should not. Uh, I'm just wide receivers and tight ends. Wide receivers and tight ends. Um, this was the return of Luke Schoonmaker and Ronnie Bell as the top two options. Um, by like a lot. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Schoonmaker. Oh, I'm on the first half stats. Pardon. Um, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Schoonmaker, seven targets. Bell, eight targets. No other uh, receiver or tight end had more than two targets. That was Cornelius Johnson. Um, the aforementioned Donovan Edwards had five. So this passing game was uh, rather laser-focused on Schoonmaker, who was making a lot happen, particularly in the flats, and Bell, who had that uh, that nice uh, post route we mentioned earlier, and otherwise... Uh, mostly short stuff. Um, otherwise, uh, not really uh, a lot of wide receiver involvement in this game. Uh, Cornelius Johnson fumbled away Michigan's possession uh, for opening possession of the game, which is uh, kind of annoying since that one is scripted. <laughs> and it also annoying because he lost a fumble and uh, that was his only catch. Um, and he also went off sides twice on punts. So uh, not his best game. Um, and uh, let's just say Andrew Anthony did not repeat his performance um, from last year. Uh, one target, no catches. So uh, um, not really, not really a whole lot uh, to say about this. Like uh, Schoonmaker is good. Uh, Bell's pretty good. And uh, Michigan, I, I think the most notable part of this is that Michigan is so confident in this running game that they did not feel a need to pick on these corners. <laughs> Which I think is a little bit of a shame because like, I totally get it. I, I wanted to see it too. Don't get me I, wrong. <laughs> Yeah, especially to Andrew Anthony, not to, not because he's from Lansing and that would be funny, but also just like this is I, I feel bad for the dude at this point. He deserves the opportunity to make contested catches. I believe he could do it. I've seen him do it. Um, I think, you know, he's one of the guys that he might be the most underused guy in this offense to me. And just in general, whether it's him or I think Bell is, would be quite good at this. As well. uh, let's let some wide receivers make contested catches, um, even in the end zone. And And I think. At this point, I'm ready to say that Jim Harbaugh hates the idea of interceptions more than almost any coach in FBS. Um, and that's fine. Interceptions are bad. But, like, you know, I, I think it's it'd be fine for Michigan to risk the ball a little bit more. And especially when you're up against bad corners, they're probably not going to make an amazing play on the ball. Let's let's let our guys eat a little bit. That's my one request. I 100% yeah. agree with you while I was watching the game. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, right. They didn't have to do that at all. <laughs> Like they just didn't have to risk it. So I don't know. I mean, I think like, you know, in the red zone, maybe I want to say they should like, but let me be clear. I hate the end zone fade, <laughs> but I do think it's good to have somebody who's capable. <laughs> and I'm not sure Michigan really has a guy that you wanted that you feel great about just throwing the ball up to possibly even Andrew Anthony. I I mean, we've, we've seen it in, on a couple occasions, um, but the, the lack of a true, red zone guy and I think losing Eric all hurts here 
Um, because he was a more dynamic red zone receiver, I think, than Schoonmaker, who's making a lot of hay off of kind of the structure of the offense in addition to his receiving ability. Um, but yeah, I th- I think like when Ronnie Bell is your wide receiver one and there isn't really a clear wide receiver two, um, you're missing that element in the red zone that you want. Um, because Bell, I mean, even though he can jump very high and make some contested catches, I don't think he's somebody who just go like, I see him matched up one-on-one. It's an automatic check. We're just going to throw the ball up to him. Um, I don't think Michigan has that guy. And you can still build a very good offense and I think a, a better red zone offense without having that. But it, it is a it is a constraint on this team. I do sort of wonder if Andrew Anthony transfers. Don't just generally. speak that into existence. Yeah, I'm just not, saying. We don't. We don't. Uh, I'm just pointing it out. Transfer. Like I, I think it's a bridge. I think transfers is a bridge we should cross when we come to it. And I, I don't mean to. I'm, so, no, I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I'm not to, saying that. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just like saying, like again, his usage is just a little concerning to me. Uh, yeah, That's I mean, all I, I mean. Th- I think it's fair to say that uh, even leaving specific player names out of it, Michigan has a very talented and crowded wide receiver room that uh, does not get a a particularly large amount of volume, and that generally leads to some roster turnover. Um, and has in the past for Michigan. Um, so, uh, yeah, Tariq Black finished his career at Texas, for example. Um, Giles Jackson is at Washington. Um, these things happen, but uh, Michigan has uh, been just fine. Um, on the offensive line, um, I'm really trying not to say pro football focuses take on this. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it. Say it, Ace. Say it with All your right. chest. Um, <laughs> Pro Football Focus gave Michigan's offensive line a 64.0 run blocking grade um, <laughs> and gave Michigan State, uh, I'm not looking at it, but I think a 62.1. Game on paper, which is uh, does a great job of taking uh, ESPN box scores and turning them into advanced box scores, which is a lovely thing. Um, uh, credits Michigan's offensive line with generating uh, 2.13 line yards per carry which is basically how far uh, they they move Michigan State's defenders downfield before running backs get contacted. Um, uh, Michigan State's offensive line was credited with 0.1 line yards per carry. <laughs> Zero uh, point. So, some, 0.1. Someone in Bangladesh <laughs> Wait, fucking hates that this, man. Bad? <laughs> <laughs> That's... Like, I guess, like, Michigan State could not run the ball, period. Like, no, that's not why... at all. <laughs> That's why they had to throw down the field a million times. That's the only offense they had. Which, by the way, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say that that was exactly what they were going to have to Aaron, do. Aaron Burbers got brought up because of you beforehand, and yeah, you were you were on point there. Yeah, and then we had some Aaron Burbage like moments, and you know it sucked to watch. But like that was it. They could not. I mean, their running game was actually a lot worse than I thought it would be. I thought they would have some movement <laughs> on the ground. As terrible. Terrible. It's, it's very bad. Um, but Michigan's run game, very good because uh, um, not just because Blake Corb is a Heisman candidate, but because um, regardless of what PFF says, uh, this is a very good run blocking line. Uh, Michigan converted all three of their uh, power conversion opportunities, which is runs on uh, third or fourth and short. Um, and only 14 of their 52 runs went for two or fewer yards, which given um, that Michigan's offense is not exactly uh, hiding the fact that they want to run on you. Uh, pretty fucking impressive, in my opinion. I'm swearing it a lot in this one, but I'm a little worked up. Uh, zero sacks allowed in, in this game. Some of that, uh, J.J. McCarthy did come under some pressure, but it was stuff that he could uh, get away from. So, I mean, when pressure was allowed through, it was usually um, either from an overload blitz or from 
an isolated breakdown as opposed to a, a wholesale breakdown of the offensive line. Um, and if you want to know what they, those feel like, uh, check out um, Mike Morris's sack on Peyton Thorne uh, for the what what one of those uh, uh, resembles. Um, so, yeah, Mi- Michigan um, just soundly won the line of scrimmage against a Michigan State uh, defense that. Um, I mean, even with a probably less than 100% Jacob Slade is supposed to be pretty good uh, in the trenches or at least it, 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 on the defensive line. Uh, the linebackers, uh, different story. You don't like Captain Grit? He doesn't have gloves, Ace. Did you, mm. did you notice that he wasn't wearing gloves, Kenny Galladay? What was funny was that was the uh, only second most picked on linebacker in this game <laughs> for Michigan State. Uh, have uh, we mentioned Jacoby Winman yet? Uh, he is, Jacoby Winman cannot move in space, and neither can Captain Grit with no gloves. But yeah. um, to the line stuff. So, like, you know, I, those of us that remember this rivalry, we remember really good, annoyingly good linebackers, which Michigan State did not have in this game. And we remember really stout defensive lines. And like the the MO in this game for the last 15 years for Michigan State has been, of course, they have less team speed than Michigan in most cases because Michigan, you know, consistently recruits better and has better athletes. But they, Michigan State, believes they can win in the trenches. And that has often been the case in this game and very, very much not the case in this game. I think this is probably among games that I've watched against Michigan State in the last 15 years, like, Michigan moved them down the field more easily than I've seen. And uh, that is notable. That is, you know, big for Michigan and uh, also big in a bad way for uh, this ridiculously terrible football program at Michigan State. Uh, I apologize for getting distracted. I just saw a halftime score out of East Lansing. Um, Grand Valley State 36, Michigan State 31 at halftime uh, in men's (laughs) basketball. (laughs) The rot is spreading. Let's go. Oh, goodness gracious. Go. Um, I will be continuing to monitor that as we uh, as we move on with this podcast. Um, Please. All right. Uh, on the whole, um, I mean, like, I, I think we could all agree this was a, a relatively strong, I mean, like a very strong offense performance with uh, very disappointing finishes for the most part. Uh, Michigan gained 72% of available yards, uh, which is really impressive, and scored just two touchdowns, which is also impressive, but in a very different way. Um, and, uh, if you want a contrast for that available yards number, Michigan state gained 38% of available yards. That is just how many yards did you gain of the, uh, yards between you and the end zone from where you started each drive? Um, uh, which is a really great way to measure how, how good your offense is, I think. And, uh, Michigan was, uh, consistently gaining most of them, <laughs> most of the yards, uh, before the end zone were attained. And then, uh, then it was just uh, that that little last part that was a bit troublesome, but uh, I, I think we've hit that horse a fair amount uh, during this uh, podcast, both this week and in previous weeks. Uh, any, uh, well, Connor, you have the glass half full, and Taylor has the glass <laughs> half empty. Interpretation of this. Look, I, I just want to point out Michigan's kicker Jake Moody is second in the country in total scoring. He has only one point. He's 89 points scored this year. Uh, he's he's only... third in the nation in total scoring. Because did Blake, I say, Corum, did I... Is Blake Corum is second in total scoring. Oh, I say, did I say that? I'm at third. Sorry, yeah. Number two is Blake Corum, who has only one more point. He has 90 points. So the two of the top three scorers in the country play for Michigan football, which rocks. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we've, got a, we've got a counterpoint from my colleague Taylor, though. He probably shouldn't be. The third, <laughs> um, he shouldn't be the third in the nation in total scoring. I'm sorry. I just, I feel like 
<laughs> I predicted this when Dan asked us last week for our very specific predictions. I w- could not do math on the fly because I'm not very good at it. And um, I was like, they're going to have a really hard time uh, scoring in the red zone. And I love being right. Um, if you've learned anything about me in my short tenure on this podcast, I revel in being right. Um, in this case, I don't love it, but like, you know, I'm still going to, I'm still going to take it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Whatever, man. It's, and- <laughs> it's cool, I guess. Like, it's a very cute little thing, but like you have to, it begs the question, should he be third in the nation in total scoring? All I have to say is that the, the haters are just miserable right now. Touchdown cells are in shambles and <laughs> us field goal chads are celebrating. I mean, Michigan covered. Michigan, Michigan did. Covered. Wait, they did? I thought the line was 22 and a half. It was 21 and a half. Oh, no. The line was in the mid-teens, I thought. The the opening line was around 21. I think it was like later in the week, it got up to like 22 and a half, so they didn't cover that. I It shifted. I, I can't remember. So Yeah. I mean, whatever. Great teams cover, <laughs> but great teams also taunt. So we're in a, we're in a good position no matter what. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are brought to you as always, uh, by Homefield Apparel. Uh, I'm going to tell you that they have Michigan gear, uh, and not Michigan State gear, uh, even though they do. Uh, new promo code, uh, meet a midfield, 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. We're also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BucketProp to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, though, though you must use the promo code BucketProp. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet when you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it. And use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, on to the defense. And yes, we are doing special teams for this one. Um, basically because of one moment. But um, all right. Uh, I, I mean, my note for the line is that Michigan State averaged 0.1 line yards per carry. Um, <laughs> on... Uh, um, and that and that game on paper uh, pulls out, you know, the real rushes from the sacks, and in this case, um, a snap almost sailing over the punter's head, um, which was uh, chalked up as a team rush uh, for I think negative twenty one yards, um, uh, which was very fun, but also um, you know throws off the final stats. So, as opposed to the uh, horrific final final rushing number that they had, uh, they they. It was a merely bad 68 yards on 20 real carries uh, for Michigan State. Um, and the Michigan also had uh, two sacks of Peyton Thorne. Uh, totally contained him on the ground. Um, defensive tackles were awesome. Uh, I thought I, I thought Mozzie Smith and Chris Jenkins were uh, maybe Michigan's two best defenders in this game, in, in a game where the defense played quite well, um, even on uh, Mike Morris's rather emphatic sack it, it was mozzie smith who did about 95 percent of the work there so um i, I mean I, not the michigan state's line is very good so there's only so much we can take away from this um which is a thing we have said a lot this season but um uh, another really excellent performance from from the the front here how awesome is it to have a michigan football team where uh, on defense arguably the best position group uh is the defensive tackles um Chris Jenkins, Mozzie Smith, Mason Graham, as you mentioned. Uh, Chris Jenkins, uh, I, I'm with Seth from MGlo Blog on this one. I really don't want the NFL to notice him yet. I, I just want one more year. That's, that's all I'm asking, Mister NFL. <laughs> just have us let it. Please, please, sir, I want some more Chris Jenkins. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah, he might like 
selfishly, I hope it's not a situation um, with like where like you know with Christopher Hinton last year where he left to go to the NFL and people were like, wait, what? And it was like, oh, we could have used that guy. Um, maybe now we have a better idea of why that happened because <laughs> um, Chris Jenkins and Mozzie Smith are really good. Uh, I mean, Hinton would still have played on this team, but um, uh, things are still things are still fine. Um, if you heard that in the background, uh, my dog is apparently excited about line play. Um, moving on to linebackers, they were pretty good. Uh, I I I didn't notice anything bad, which is a big a big step forward from previous games. Uh, Junior Colson was one of the more active players on the defense, and Michael Barrett's most noticeable play was uh, um, shooting a gap uh, to stop a fourth and one that uh, Jenkins, by the way, had uh, absolutely blown to pieces. Uh, but Barrett made a made a nice play and uh, got the tackle and um, may have made Jenkins's very good play actually pretty irrelevant. But um, I think it was just those two for the competitive portion of the game. Um, no other inside linebacker made the box score. So, um, yeah, it's 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 very much Colson and Barrett now. And hopefully now that they seem to have settled on Barrett for that second linebacker spot. Um, so I don't know what's happening with the Kai Hill Green, but <laughs> it, it, he's apparently uh, not healthy. It's uh, it's November now. <laughs> so I, I'm just going to go with uh, Junior Colson and Michael Barrett are going to be the guys um, until further notice. And at least on on Saturday, that was uh, that was perfectly fine. Um, not that Michigan State was the best team to test that, but <laughs> um, yeah. Any any comments on the linebacker play? Yeah, I mean, didn't get tested as you, as you said because their offense was failed attempts at running the ball or just shots down the field. Um, that being said, we've gone two straight conference games against notable opponents without the linebackers being a big area of concern. I consider that a pretty major win. So I'll, I'll say the arrows are in the right direction on that one. Yeah. Against two teams that like to use their tight ends in the passing game too, which was a bit of a concern. Um, which was curious to me because that was really not a factor. Um, at least from, from what I remember. Um, yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever can be done to just kind of maybe mask the linebacker play a little bit makes me feel good. Um, not, I mean, not to, Daniel yeah. Barker was targeted six times and only caught two passes for 15 yards. So they, they did. And they threw to Malik Carr three times and connected once for six yards, targeted Tyler Hunt once for zero yards. So the, the, that's their top three tight ends. Um, and they did nothing. <laughs> Yeah, we, we had a most brilliant plan of all, which is to mask our bad linebacker play by actually having good linebacker play. That's, <laughs> Listen, uh, it's fine. That, that is a much better solution than what Michigan State came up with, which was just to keep being bad. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, like I have nothing to say then. Uh, in the secondary, uh, we are going to read Keon Coleman's first half stats. Uh, four targets, four catches, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, a bit disconcerting, but... All of that was jump balls. All of that was contested jump balls that were relatively well covered. I don't I don't know what to say, except that Keon Coleman is tall, used to play basketball, and is good at catching jump balls. Um, if that is the entirety of your offense, it is probably not very sustainable. And Michigan uh, really adjusted like hell to that in the second half. Um, Coleman caught one of his four second half targets for... Uh, it went it went for 51 yards but um <laughs> uh you know he got free in the secondary once but that was also after the score was 29 to 7 um everybody else on Michigan State 
Uh, 22 targets, 12 catches, 60 yards. That is atrocious. That is less than three yards target. Um, they have Jaden Reed and Trey Mosley. Um, so, I mean, you can worry about uh, both Jamon Green and DJ Turner getting victimized on uh, deep balls to Coleman, but I, I would say considering the nature of those deep throws and the fact that uh, Jaden Green uh, was completely shut down until, uh, depending on your camera view, the post game. Um, yeah, I, I think Michigan's uh, secondary played a phenomenal game. Um, and I hope they are healthy moving forward because obviously there are, um, I mean, Jamon Green evidently has a concussion. Um, and Jada McBurrows, who would probably be the next man up after Will Johnson, also has undisclosed injuries. So um, unfortunately, uh, the post game. Uh, incidents have uh, direct relevance to this section in a football sense as, in addition to a uh, um, this team has some problems <laughs> sense. Yeah, I, I think what was it? So the Keon Coleman stuff, I think two of those were just exceptional catches uh, mm-hmm. and, and throws and I'll live with that. I mean, you mentioned Aaron Burbridge. I have distinctive memories of him catching these just perfect over the thro- shoulder passes from uh, Connor Cook that, you know, drove me insane. And those were against um, Jordan Lewis, one of the best corners we've seen in a long time here. Yeah, and I think overall corner play was great. I mean, the one where I guess it was Jamon Green got shoved out of the way. I mean, that should have been an OPI. That doesn't get called a lot of the time. Um, should have been. And so that one, like, I, it's tough to complain, right? Because the way this game end, ended in effect is Rod Moore. And I, I think Rod Moore deserves serious credit here. Seth was saying on the MGO pod that their rumblings, he hasn't been 100% this year, which would explain why his play kind of plateaued and has maybe a little, a little uneven yeah yeah and i think that that makes sense he hasn't looked super fast this year in this game he looked fast he was making plays he had that that pass breakup um where they were bracketing coleman. coleman yeah yes like they were bracketing coleman they played it perfectly uh turner had great coverage and Moore got there and broke it up could maybe have picked it off honestly and then Moore did get the pick where he just that was elite safety play like oh that was just, beautiful yeah they baited uh, they baited Thorne into throwing at Coleman and Moore just jumped the hell out of that route and, you know, picked it off cleanly and had room to run. And that was beautiful. And I think, I still think Rod Moore is a potential, you know, star safety. And you saw it in this game. And I think like, I, I, I think that it's easy to overreact to like a couple of adverse incidents and be like, our cornerbacks can't cover anybody. It's like, no, there were a couple of really excellent throws. Other than that, the coverage was anywhere from adequate to elite. So no complaints. Yeah, yeah. I would just jump in very quickly and say like um, that Michigan State has like one good play. And at any time, like Coleman called the ball, that was like, that. that's it. That's the one good thing. Um, I attempted um, to make uh, GIFs for the preview post for Meet at Midfield. I'm not quite a GIF expert yet, but I tried my best. Don't ever let it be said I didn't try. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's truly more of a testament to Coleman being very, very good um, than than it was to a, a real issue at corner. So I feel really, all things considered, I feel fine. Yeah, I mean, you look at the replays of some of those catches, and I mean, you've got a Michigan defensive back's hand like in between his hands. Uh, you know, there there's some plays where you just got to tip your cap, and uh, and a couple of those to Coleman, but were uh, in that category, I would say. Um, and when you funnel pretty much everything to one guy, and then lock that guy down, and for a whole half, um, 
and that's the entirety of the other team's offense, uh, that's good, in my opinion. I think that's good. Um, I put these things out of order. Um, but overall for the defense, uh, Michigan State had negative one total yards in the second half until the score was 29 to seven. So that's, uh, that's, that's a really damn good job of making your adjustments at halftime. In this case, it was Michigan adjusting to the one thing that Michigan State was doing well. Um, uh, and they took that away and it was over, uh, which, uh, I liked, I liked that a lot. I, I think it was good. So you're saying it's legal to adjust your defense, take away what the offense wants to do. Uh, someone should have told Don Brown that mm, over his I was waiting years. for that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Um, I agree. I, I think the big one of the biggest surprises in this game for me is that while neither unit is especially good, I do think that Michigan State's defense came out looking better than their offense, which surprised me because having watched them previously this year, I thought the offense was the relative strength of a bad team. Um, I don't know what it says about Michigan's defense other than I, I think that you have – incredibly good performances on both sides of the ball. And I'm going to go ahead and say that the defense had a slightly better performance overall than the offense, but it's tough to pick. It's tough to pick a favorite child ace. I will say the defense did a uh, more effective job of finishing Michigan state's drives than Michigan's offense did of finishing their own. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm going with that. I think that's, that's kind of actually the point that I wanted to make just about the defense overall that I didn't really like, Obviously, like Coleman getting some big catches, like there were some things that I was like, I'm feeling a little bad, but like not in a way where I was concerned about the outcome. So that's, I think, a difference for me in like, especially again, being I was at the game, I was like in the moment pretty intensely. I don't have anything in my ear telling me what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. And I think. I was a little bit more concerned, honestly, during the Maryland game than I was for this one, <laughs> um, which is kind of wild. Um, so I, I'm I'm actually really, really just overall impressed with the defense um, a little bit more than the offense. Um, but that's because I was a little bit of a downer during the offense section. Um, and yeah, like I think just based on my, my own vibe check, which is not an advanced stat that you can find anywhere. But, you know, I think that it went pretty well. You can't really ask for for much better, especially from a team that does have a really potent vertical attack um, as the only thing that they have. Uh, but, you know, still, it could have been an issue. And of course, with Michigan State, there's all this like kind of like mythos surrounding like when Michigan and Mi- Michigan State play, this was like an ass kicking. It was great. So I have nothing else to say because it was just it was just a complete football game from the defense, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Taylor. The last thing that I'm going to do is... Uh congratulate the most important he- person here which is me and uh say that <laughs> i uh i said in the preview that it would be 14 to 7 and a half and we'd be feeling kind of bad and it was the 13 to 7 and a half and we were feeling kind of bad i'm feeling great yeah and and i had michigan i had basically michigan state scoring i think three points in the second half in this case they scored zero points in the second half um and michigan did pull away and the one thing i was wrong about i thought michigan would score touchdowns a little bit better but like i think this is about so as did good we pre- all so did we all. I this is a, about as well uh, as I've called a Michigan football result ever. And it just goes to show that I spent way too much time with Dan and know way too much about Michigan State football. And um glad that we kicked their asses. They certainly deserved it. Yeah. Or, you know, if you if you guess the same number, uh the same just you know, as many times in a row as however many times we've done a podcast about Michigan State, uh, that eventually you will be right. Um and uh 
We did it. We predicted Michigan would beat Michigan State soundly, and it actually happened this time. So uh, uh, you can't blame us anymore. That's that's really the most important thing here. You you can't blame us uh, because we are right and good. <laughs> good. Yeah, good things happened, and we told you these good things were going to happen. And uh, instead of blaming us, you actually have to credit us for this now uh, because that's how it works. If you blamed us, then obviously there's a flip side to it. Um, so um, we were we are accepting flowers. Um, Small gifts, uh, donations, all that good stuff. Um, and advertisers, you know, you too. Um, yeah, we're, we're, the credit is due. <laughs> <laughs> sure. uh, all right. Uh, I think we're done. I, th- I mean, special teams. Sorry, special teams. Uh, I take it back. We have special teams to cover. Um, so aside from, uh, you know, Jake Moody's uh, budding Heisman campaign um, and Brad Robbins almost going uh, two straight weeks without punting, um, Sean McDonough had two chances to say the damn thing. And thank God he got the second one because yes. he really took advantage. Uh, Michigan State did indeed have trouble with the snap. And you could hear him. I, I went back it, right before we recorded this. I watched a condensed version of the game. And like you can hear like the first word like like he has comes out relatively normal. And everything else, his voice is totally breaking. <laughs> like, it's like, he has trouble with the snap. It's like, oh, <laughs> he realized, like, partway into it that, like, not only did he have, like, a second trace, a straight chance to finally, like, hit back on the theme, one that he had been poking around all game, uh, which, um, you know, I know he had to do that because he had called that game before. But, man, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. So uh, that but was we've broken the curse. Yes, that was our that was our beautiful, beautiful retribution was uh, was hearing him get to call that in all seriousness for a bad Michigan State snap, um, which, uh, by the way, apparently Michigan's backup long snapper is significantly better than Michigan State's backup long snapper because both teams were without their starting long snappers in this game, uh, which got mentioned up top, which was uh, prescient, um, as it turns out. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, my only other special teams issue is that Michigan should not uh, jump off sides and give up free first downs while trying to block punts as fun as blocking punts is. Um, I would simply not do that. I agree. Yes. I I loved Brian had a great thing about MGO thought about this, where he was like, this is the state of the programs. We have a long depth, long snapper depth and you don't, which I think is a great sort of big 10 way to brag. But um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Th- this sequence of plays just came up on the Michigan State Grand Valley State live stats, which, yes, I do have pulled up on my laptop. Unfortunately, Michigan State has pulled ahead by eight midway through the second half, but we just got at the 10.51 mark. All of these are at the 10.51 mark. Um, MSU offensive foul on number 11, A.J. Hogard. MSU turnover on number 11, A.J. Hogard. Uh, MSU admin technical. Uh, tech foul on team. One free throw rewarded. Um, unfortunately, Grand Valley State just missed it. Uh, I'm going to guess that administrative technical foul was assessed on Tom Izzo, uh, who does not have a jersey number. Um, that That is just a guess. I don't think this game is being televised. Uh, and if it is, I'm certainly not watching it. But uh, um, uh, a 6-7 post player is currently 8 for 11 uh, for Grand Valley State. And Joey Hauser has four fouls. I'm enjoying this box score. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, that, uh, God, I keep I keep scrolling to get to the outro. And there's this big picture of the college football playoff rankings embedded in our show notes. And man, I cannot get over Clemson. I, I just can't. 
I can't it's do it. It's fine. Uh, We're fine. And also remember, just, remember, Dan had the most like logical, reasonable. Take that's on why all I'm of worried. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That should that should really scare us. That is I'm so deeply alarming. I am looking at a Tennessee helmet below the number one, and hearing that Thick Stauskas has the most reasonable take on the internet about Michigan's placement in the initial college football playoff rankings. Um, this is what happens though when we beat that when we beat down on Michigan State, everything goes topsy turvy. Like you know, day day is night, everything is backwards now, and it's it's glorious. Michigan is still undefeated. They are a playoff contender. Um, they've beaten. Um, they have won in the most recent matchup against all fourteen Big Ten teams, which is a, a cool little thing to to have in your back pocket. Um, and uh, seek shelter, uh, head for the hills. Um, apparently, everything is going to hell. Also, follow at Bucket Problem and at Me to Midfield on Twitter. Sign up for Me to Midfield.com at Me to Midfield.com slash subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe to this here free podcast. Use the promo code Me to Midfield at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code Bucket Prob on PointsBet. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.